What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. In studio with me tonight is the one and only Daniel Locke. Daniel, thanks so much for joining me yet again on the show. Jacob, thank you for having me. We always have such a good time on these Thursday nights and even Thursday mornings when you come on the Eagle's Nest. Always a good time. We love talking sports together. We have a great time doing it, and we're becoming some of the biggest sports anchors on this station. So that's something that we can definitely hang our hats on. Bold statement there, but I like it. I like what you're saying. Always have a good time with you, man. we got a good show for you guys this evening on January 27th. We're a few weeks into the spring semester here at Auburn University, and um, things are getting busy around town for me, I'm sure, as well for you. And for Auburn Athletics, man, it's been it's been a heck of a week, and some storylines have come out of Auburn this week. Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about there. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are hurt, have heard or not, but – for the first time in program history, the Auburn University men's basketball team is ranked number one in the AP poll. Just a minor thing there. I mean, who really cares? But um, Bruce Pearl and Alan Green met today about a contract extension. Alan Green, get it done. And we will definitely discuss that as the show goes on because that is the big news out of Auburn today with some rumors about Bruce Pearl, whether he's leaving Auburn, staying on the Plains, and whether he's going to get what he asked for. So we'll discuss all of that here in just a few moments. But an announcement from myself. As you know from my last episode, I took a new job with Auburn Network LLC, Auburn Network Incorporated. And so with that job, I will be doing a bunch of operational stuff behind the scenes. But I'm on a new show. It's called On the Line with Noah Gardner and myself, Jacob Goins. It is every day right here in Auburn, Alabama, from 2 to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday on ESPN 106.7 and on the ESPN 106.7 app and the website. So make sure you tune into that every day, Monday Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune into that. I'm the new co-host of that. It's been a lot of fun this week. This was my first week on the show of that and man it's been a lot a lot of fun me and Noah are having a good time over there so make sure you tune into that on the line live two to four Monday through Friday on ESPN 106.7 and on the website and it's up as a podcast right after the show as well so with that we are going to jump into the big three of the night here on Moonlight Madness and jumping into number one Auburn basketball is there reason to worry of course, Auburn number one team in the country right now, the Auburn men's basketball team with their first ever number one ranking. But they had a scare the other night, Daniel, on the road at Mizzou. They did. That game was tough to watch. I mean, as always, Auburn pulled it out. But they definitely gave us a, a little bit to worry about there. However, I think that this was Jabari Smith's kind of blow-up game to where things just didn't really go too well. I don't think it's much room for panic. And I think that we're just going to kind of keep plugging along. A historically bad shooting night for Auburn on the road Tuesday night at Missouri. But this team showed that they are good enough to win anyway. They have some studs on that basketball team. Even when players don't play good, they're still good enough 
to win basketball games. And SEC road games are tough to come by. Those those are tough wins to come by. They are. And, you know, that's why it's not uncommon to see a highly ranked team or a skilled team go into an unranked team's house and lose. Like, it's definitely not unheard of, not just in the SEC, but the Big Ten is notorious about this. Like, there's back when Purdue wasn't great, Mackey Arena was still a tough place to go in and win. And, you know, I love Indiana. Assembly Hall, even when Indiana's not great, still a tough place to play. So that that's what my that's my favorite thing about college basketball. You just never know. So Auburn again was on the road at Missouri on Tuesday night. Quick turnaround from a big win against Kentucky here at Auburn Arena in Auburn, Alabama on Saturday. And that's a tough turnaround. Just two days to prep, travel, and play another basketball game in the SEC. But again, a historically low shooting night for Auburn. One of the worst shooting performances they've had in a win in the last 20 years. And they still got it done. Even when their star player, Jabari Smith, shot 2 of 15 from the floor with five points, they still got it done because guys like Walker Kessler and KD Johnson stepped up in a big way. Yeah, and another thing is the 10 turnovers. Like, that's just not something we can afford to have happen again. Like, we've got to start playing a little cleaner. Especially on the road. I've talked about it before that SEC road games, man, they're just hard to win. And you can look around the SEC right now as Auburn's the last undefeated team in the SEC in conference play. They're the last team in the country to be undefeated in conference play. That shows that teams are losing at a higher rate than ever before in conference play. Just look around the SEC. Teams are losing on the road left and right. I mean, look at last night. Texas A&M lost at LSU. Florida lost at Tennessee. Now, those teams were supposed to lose, but road games are tough to win in the SEC. Look at Alabama. They can't win a game, period, it seems like, as of late. (laughs) Kentucky lost a game at Auburn. Uh, SEC road games are so hard to win, and I'm telling you what, if Auburn was playing any other team in the conference besides Missouri on, on Tuesday night, that was a loss. Maybe not Georgia. If Georgia played how they did against Alabama, I would take. I bet Georgia wins that basketball game. And on second thought, you're probably right. That's just my opinion, man. I'm telling you, Georgia played Alabama good. They played pretty well. Not like they have been, but they played pretty well. And if Auburn was playing any other team in the SEC besides Missouri on Tuesday night and they played the way they did, that's a loss on the road. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Yeah, I would agree with that. We just hopefully that doesn't happen again going forward. Hopefully that was just kind of a, a waking up point. I don't know if you remember, but in the 2019-2020 season, right before COVID shut down the tournament, it was mid-February when Auburn went up to Columbia to play Missouri on a Saturday and absolutely got worked. So definitely not uncommon to see something like that. And that was Auburn's first ever game as the number one team in the country. But I don't think that was the problem. I don't think there was any number one hangover. I don't think there was any pressure, any more pressure anyway, on this team being the number one team in the country because they believe they should have been number one a week before that. Yeah, like the motivation was not lost, I don't think. I think it's just, you know, every teams have bad nights. I feel like that's part of it. You just kind of got to learn to, I guess, kind of play with it and adjust when that happens. I feel like that's what Auburn's getting good at. And when you play 30 games in a season for college basketball, you're going to have a bad night, even with the talent on this team you're going to have a bad night at some point. And I think that was Auburn's game on Tuesday night. That was their one bad game we're going to see this season. I don't think Auburn's going to play that bad 
the rest of this season offensively. The defense won them that basketball game. They held Missouri to 50-something points, which is, you know, that's good in the SEC, but Auburn only scored 50-something points as well. So the offense struggled, but the defense kept them in that basketball game. And Bruce Pearl talked about it, defense travels. That's the one thing that will always travel with you because that's an effort thing and a heart thing. And that's what Bruce Pearl instills in his basketball teams is heart and effort. So that will always travel and will carry you when you're not shooting the ball well, like we saw on Tuesday night. Right, and that's it's so good to be solid defensively, and that's a very underrated thing, I feel like, in the modern era of basketball, when it's just three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. But I, I believe it still wins games and potentially even championships, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Well, Auburn's definitely the favorite to win the national title as of right now as they're the number one team in the country. But here's the good news. Auburn beat Missouri on Tuesday night. They got past that game no matter how bad they played. They got back to the Plains, and they're back here for a big matchup on Saturday afternoon when Oklahoma Sooners, they roll into town for the SEC Big 12 Challenge on Saturday in Auburn Arena. Daniel, your thoughts quickly on that game, and then we'll get into some of the other news for Auburn basketball. You know, Oklahoma's struggled a little bit as of late. They've lost four of their last five. However, in that set, they've played Baylor, Kansas, and Texas. Um, So those are some tough games that they've had. Big win last night, though. Yes, over West Virginia. That is a big win on the road, too, which is another tough place to play. So I don't think that they're as bad as recent things kind of imply. Looking at their record, they are 2-3 and on the road. Auburn is 10-0 and at home, so I'm just, home court advantage is enough for me to pick Auburn every time this season. I boldly predict that we do not lose at home this year. Well, that's a pretty good prediction. You are saying we're never going to lose, Auburn's never going to lose at home this year, but are you predicting a loss for Auburn at some point this season? Um, yes, I think that potentially when we go play in Starkville, maybe play in Tennessee maybe not that because I feel like the game in Starkville a road game against an unranked team I feel like could potentially catch them off guard but I feel like Tennessee won't be that game because I feel like they'll go to Knoxville ready to play however Starkville on a Wednesday night it might be kind of cold out you know the hump gets the hump gets loud so I could see us dropping that one to Mississippi State well there's no doubt that there's definitely going to be threats for Auburn to lose some games this season. It is going to be tough for Auburn to win out because there's a lot of basketball left. There's 10 games left in the season of the regular season, SEC tournament, and the NCAA tournament as it rolls around. But we will get into that in a little bit when we take a look around Auburn Athletics. We can start previewing some of Auburn's upcoming games and see what this basketball team has the potential to do. But the next thing I want to discuss quickly is With Auburn basketball, they shouldn't worry about the bad game against Missouri, but should they be worried about losing Bruce Pearl? There was news today. um, It was Justin Hokuson, is that his name, I think, was on Twitter, who tweeted out a report that the University of Louisville, you know, they fired their head coach, they they fired their head coach, and then they reached out to Bruce Pearl about, possibly taking him away from Auburn. And we don't know if Bruce was interested. We don't know if Bruce spoke to Louisville. But Louisville at least reached out and had interest and has interest in Bruce Pearl leaving Auburn to go to Louisville. Daniel, what's your thoughts? I personally don't think it'll happen. Bruce Pearl was hired 
to rebuild Auburn in 2013, mainly because at that point no one else would hire him. And I feel like at this point in his career, he's getting older. He doesn't want to go to a rebuild. And also a tweet from Justin Lee earlier today, and I quote, I can report Auburn is proactively pursuing a contract extension for Bruce Pearl and that there is comfort with the athletics department that Auburn will be able to offer an extension that will allow him to finish his career here at Auburn. So I'm staying optimistic. And here is my argument then, and with the show on the line that I do with Noah Gardner, we've discussed this topic heavily this afternoon, is Bruce Pearl has built something here at Auburn that's legendary. And he has worked his tail off to get it there. And I just don't think that Bruce or anybody would work this hard to build a program to this level and put in this amount of work if he was planning on leaving. Now, here's the thing. If Auburn doesn't pay Bruce and doesn't give him what he's asking for, he has every right to leave because here's what he's asking for. He wants a raise, which he deserves. He wants a raise for all his assistants, which they deserve. And he wants a new practice basketball facility. Those demands are something that Auburn, if they want to be a legendary and a top-tier basketball program, they have got to give him if he wants, if they want him to stay. I feel like they will because, like you said, him and his staff definitely deserve the raises. And plus, renovating the facilities, I, I bet I'm sure our current facilities aren't terrible, but, you know, it could always be better. So, And that's something that will benefit us even once Bruce Pearl leaves or retires, hopefully, not leaves. But, you know, that'd be very good for recruiting, and I feel like that's just what it's going to take if we want to take a step up from being a, you know, a, a UConn kind of program that some years were good, some years were not, to a Kentucky or a Duke. And I'm glad you made that point because that's the argument that I've been making. These demands are not just for Bruce and his time at Auburn, which would be the next 10 to 12 years. He's trying to build Auburn – for the next 20 to 30 years when he's not here anymore. And that takes a special type of man and a special type of person to think that hard and that far in advance because that's how much he loves Auburn. And I really do think he's an Auburn man. He wants to be at Auburn. And the his salary, the assistant coach's salaries, and the basketball facility are all things that are going to affect the next wave of coaches and players that come through Auburn in the next 20 to 30 years. That's why I think Auburn – will do what they got to do. It's already in the works. It got added to the board the board meeting schedule for the new basketball facility to be discussed and voted on. I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to pay Bruce. They're going to pay the coaches, and this thing's going to be said and done, and Bruce Pearl's going to be coaching at Auburn until he decides to retire. And that's going to wrap up number one of the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we'll dive into number two of the big three, the NFL Conference Championship Games. Coming up this weekend, you're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. Welcome back into Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Joined by me, or joined with me in studio tonight is Daniel Locke, and we are rolling on with the big three into number two. This weekend coming up in the NFL, it's the conference championship games, and we're going to take a look at both games, in the N- one in the NFC and one in the AFC And we will start with the AFC as that game will be played first on Sunday. It is the Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC championship game. Daniel, what are your initial thoughts on this game when you see it? I love Joe Burr. I love Joe Shiesty. I just love him so much, and I think he is ready to get this done. You know, he played in the SEC. He went to Alabama in 2019. 
you can't convince me that Arrowhead Stadium, which will have 30,000 less people, is going to be as loud as Bryant Denny was when one and two were facing off. And there's no doubt about it that I don't think anybody thought that the Bengals would be in the AFC Championship game. I mean, this is something that if anybody predicted this, that's because they were a Bengals fan, and nobody believed them when they did. They need to start betting seriously. But, yeah, I, if you had told me back in you know, August, late August, when we are getting ready for the NFL to kick off, that the Bengals were going to win the AFC North, that wasn't that out of the question, but be competing against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in the AFC Championship game, that would have been hard to believe. Just com- from where they were last year to where they are this year, like it's insane. And the Bengals have earned it, man. They earned it. They had to fight every week of the NFL season, especially down the stretch, to even get into the playoffs. And they also had to beat this Chiefs team. Now, they played in Cincinnati, which is important to note. But they had to win that game against the Chiefs to have a shot. They made it in, and they've handled their games already. They've beaten two teams in the playoffs, and here they are. Now they have a trip to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. But, man, what a quarterback battle we've got. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, of course, he has already set his his legacy so far in his career here in the NFL, making incredible plays. We've seen him do it his entire career, his entire young career. And now Joe Burrow in just season two, in just his sophomore season of the NFL, he's in the conference championship game. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like he's more like a freshman and a half because he only got to play half the year last year for his awful O-line got him hurt. That's a good point. But, yeah, I just feel like the biggest thing to me that the Bengals have to do is make sure that Joe Burrow does not get sacked nine times. If that happens, I feel like this game's lost. And that's definitely a struggle and a worrisome point for Bengals fans, and rightfully so. The offensive line has been terrible all season long, and you mentioned nine sacks. That's the amount of sacks they gave up last week against Tennessee, and yet they still found a way to get it done and win the game. But I just – I'm sorry. No, go ahead, man. To be fair, I feel like Tennessee's front seven is elite compared to Kansas City's, you know, the one that gave up 35 points last week, a lot of them in the fourth quarter. But, you know, still, the the challenge is still there. You can't afford to do that because Kansas City's offense is definitely a lot better than Tennessee's. So they're going to have to keep pace. So the Bengals and the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. That's the first game at 2 o'clock Central Time, 3 o'clock Eastern Time on CBS. I wish we could discuss it more, but we got to get to the other game to finish out this segment. And it's the 49ers and the Rams, the second game, the NFC Championship game. Also, I want to mention... I like the Chiefs to win against the Bengals, but we'll talk about the spread and what are the odds later on, but I just want to make that note. Who's your pick for that game? Joe Burr. You're taking Joe Burrow and the Bengals outright. Okay, 49ers and Rams. This is an interesting matchup. 49ers, of course, beating the Green Bay Packers last week in an upset, taking Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs and and putting his future in jeopardy with the Green Bay Packers and then the L.A. Rams. you got to love it for Matthew Stafford, man. Finally getting some postseason play, postseason wins, and – What's your thoughts on this NFC Championship game? You know, I think it's very interesting. If you look at the last eight meetings, I I believe in the last eight meetings between these two teams, I think San Francisco's 7-1. So they have had L.A.'s number recently. But, you know, the playoffs are a different animal. 
we all know what happened last time, week 18, when the 49ers came back from being down to beat the Rams in overtime to keep my Saints at home, which I feel like that worked out for the best in hindsight. Anyways, last time, these San Francisco fans absolutely invaded SoFi Stadium in L.A. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but the, um, the protocols on Ticketmaster that the Rams put in place to where if your billing address wasn't in the greater L.A. area, they could have the right to cancel your order. So they are making sure, or doing what they can to make sure that 49ers fans do not make it a home game again. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I didn't know that was allowed. But Yeah, I didn't either. Hey. And they could just be bluffing. Could be. But, hey, power to them. But it's an interesting matchup because both of these teams can play some defense, but both of these teams can score some points at the same time. And these teams, like you said, they are not – they are not new teams to each other. They have played many a times in the past and just this season. So it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be back and forth. I think we're going to see a lot of points in this game. And at the end of the day, I'm going to take the Rams. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take Matthew Stafford and the Rams. And what a weird Super Bowl matchup we're going to have, no matter what four teams make it. It's going to be weird, and it's going to be different, but I think it's good for the NFL. But I've got the Rams. Who's your pick? You know, I feel like it's going to come down to two groups. It's going to come down to how well can Stafford connect with Cup and how well can Garoppolo connect with Samuel. Whichever quarterback and receiver duo has the better day will win the game. And I feel like the Rams are embarrassed over what happened a few weeks ago and what happened earlier this season and last season and the year before that. And just the 49ers absolutely having their number. I don't think they're going to stand for it this year. Give me the Rams. So we're both going to take the Rams. I'm going to take the Chiefs. You're going to take the Bengals. And that's just a little bit of a preview of the conference championship games coming up in the NFL this weekend. The Bengals and Chiefs will play first. And then the Rams will host the 49ers in the afternoon evening game. That's going to wrap up number two. But it transitions nicely into number three, the final one of the big three tonight. Is there a changing of the guard in the NFL? Ben Roethlisberger today announced his retirement. Now, we know that this retirement of Big Ben from Pittsburgh was coming. We knew it was coming. We knew it was going to happen. But it just hadn't officially happened until today. It was this morning around 7, 8 o'clock. He announced that he is officially retired from the NFL. There's that. There's Aaron Rodgers and whether he is going to stay with Green Bay or go and test the water somewhere else, that's a whole nother idea and a whole nother topic. And then there's also the, the topic of Tom Brady, whether he's going to retire and be done with his NFL career. And those are three big names that are floating around in the NFL right now. Yeah, and you know that it's going to be kind of bittersweet, love or hate Tom Brady, but and, and Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. But we've grown up with these guys just being great. You know, I don't think Tom Brady, yeah, he was. He started playing four years before I was born. So I've literally never been in, alive in a world where Tom Brady was not playing football. So, that makes me feel old, man, and I'm not <laughs> old. It'll definitely be weird if that were to happen. But, however, he said his family's going to play, like, a big role in his decision. You know, the, the kids are growing up. And I bet him and his wife really want him to be a part of the kids' lives. 
And also, at some point, you got to look at the injury thing. Like, you see a lot of, like, football players who play perhaps longer than they should. By the time they get about 60, they're not mobile anymore. I'm Tom Brady's kids are pretty young, and he turns 45 over the summer. So, by the time he's 60, I don't think his kids would be our age yet. Maybe getting close to it. But I bet he wants to, like, be an active father. Because that's important to every man, I feel like, who has kids, for the most part. So... I feel like he's done. I really do. And and that nobody could blame him if no. he was done. I mean, he has proven everything he's had to prove when it comes to playing football and being successful, Tom Brady. And we're going to see what he ends up doing. I think there's a good chance that he is done. And if he is, everybody needs to realize what we watched in our lifetime, the amount of greatness that he has produced and this displayed on the football field. And that and that's something we're not going to know until Tom Brady comes out and says, hey, I've got one more year left in me, or this is it. And and then with Ben Roethlisberger, he, I mean, let's be honest. He should have retired a couple of years ago. His time had already run out. His, his The fuel in the tank was gone, and it was noticeable. But you can't hate the guy for wanting to keep going and play the game that you love. He did everything he could. He did everything he could. He really did try. But injuries throughout his career really really hurt him. The dude's a Super Bowl champ. You can't take that away from him. But he probably should have retired a couple of years ago. But he didn't, and that's okay. Now, of course, he's had some off-field issues that may or may not have been overlooked by a lot. But that's a whole different idea. Just taking or just giving you the news that Ben Roethlisberger, who will go down in history as a, a, a great quarterback in the NFL, has retired today. And then the interesting topic of Aaron Rodgers and my Green Bay Packers. It makes me depressed. I don't want to talk about them blowing the game against the 49ers because I don't want to be depressed again. But the news of Aaron Rodgers, or not the news, but the discussion of Aaron Rodgers and whether he's going to stay in Green Bay or leave, it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation. It is. And you know, I love Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are my second favorite team. I really hope he stays just because I really want to go to a Green Bay game when Aaron Rodgers is there. Um, I just, I've always wanted to go to Lambeau, and I really just want it to be the best experience it possibly can be. So for that reason alone, I really hope that he stays, just so I can get a chance to do that. But, you know, I just, I'm not sure what the Packers would do. Like, I don't know what their backup plan is if he were to. Well, they don't have one. That's the problem. Their backup is Jordan Love, and that's a problem for the Packers. And here's the thing. Here's how I have broken it down when it comes to Green Bay. They've got two options. You can go two different directions. You're at a fork in the road right now. You can go left and stick it out with Aaron Rodgers and give him what he wants, him and Devontae Adams, and make one more run at this thing. Or B, you trade Aaron Rodgers for a bunch of picks, and you re- and you commit to the rebuild. Those are your two options. That's all you can do. And you can't put your franchise on the back of Jordan Love because that's not going to go anywhere. It's, I mean, you can come back in five or six years if I'm wrong and he ends up being great. I hope so, but I don't see it. So the Packers have two options. Commit to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams because that's a package deal. If one doesn't come, the other one's not coming. They're either both here or both gone next season. Or... You trade them away, get a bunch of picks, and rebuild for the next five to ten years. Those are the options for the Packers, and at the end of the day, it's up to them, and we're going to see what they do. What's your 
What's your prediction on Aaron Rodgers real quick before we go to break? You know, I feel like that Matt LaFleur is going to play a big role in this. I feel like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams will both be back. I feel like they just can't afford to lose them. Even though Green Bay's offensive coordinator just took the Denver Broncos head coaching job. Yeah, I still think they'll be back. Okay, well, I honestly don't know. I think he's gone. I think Rodgers is gone. He's going to go out west somewhere, Denver, Las Vegas, somewhere like that. But that's going to wrap up the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics, discuss some Auburn men and women's basketball, and talk about some of the football changes that have happened in the last week. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Alongside me is Daniel Locke for the night. And we are running on with the show as we are halfway through here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Now we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics. And Daniel, you have an Auburn women's basketball score update for us. Hit me with it, my man. I do. The fourth-ranked Tennessee Lady Volunteers traveled down to Auburn tonight to take on our Lady Tigers. Did I mention that this is a top-five team? And with six minutes to go in the second quarter, Johnny Harris's Auburn Tigers are on top 25-21, and they are on an 18-4 run. That's awesome, man. That is, that's big time for this Auburn women's basketball team, a team that has not yet won an SEC game. I believe they're 0-7. 20-4 run. I'm so sorry. You're good, man. Give us, the, give us the updates, man. This is a team that is 0-7 in conference play, and some, some games that they have played in this year, especially in conference play, that they could have won. They have left some victories on the on the floor, and it's a team that just struggles to finish out and play four quarters of basketball. But and it, there's no different tonight that this is a huge test for Auburn playing the number four Lady Volunteers over in Auburn Arena. So we will try to keep you updated with that as the Auburn women's basketball team is currently playing the number four ranked Tennessee Lady Volunteers over in Auburn Arena. But with that, we're going to look at Auburn men's basketball as we discussed a little bit in the first segment of the big three to start the show with Auburn basketball coming off of two straight wins this past week. First, the big win against Kentucky on Saturday in Auburn Arena, and then Auburn traveling to Missouri and picked up a tough SEC road win. It was sloppy, but they got it done, and now they have Oklahoma coming into town on Saturday. Yeah, we mentioned before it'll be tough. However, Auburn is elite at home, so I feel like that alone will be enough to get them over to hump every home game this season. And, of course, Oklahoma coming to town for the SEC Big 12 Challenge that the conferences agree to do every year. I really like watching this little – it's not a tournament, but it kind of is, and it, it breaks up conference conference play, and I really like it. it it's always super fun. It's You get to play teams – that you don't normally get to play. And Auburn's playing Oklahoma. Kentucky's playing Kansas. I know those two teams play quite a bit throughout the years, but that's still a huge game, Kentucky and Kansas, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Baylor is traveling over to Alabama. That's a big game, a game that Alabama really, really needs. But And that could be a game that they figure it out and get that big win and get back to playing good basketball. But the SEC Big 12 Challenge is really good for basketball, and I really do like it watching it here in late January. Yeah, I do too, and I wish we did it with more conferences. I wish that we had an 
ACC SEC challenge, a Big Ten SEC challenge. How awesome would it be to get to go to Assembly Hall and play Indiana? That might just be me being biased, but I feel like that'd be really cool. But yes, I love the um, SEC Big 12 challenge. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Auburn last year on down year almost beat Baylor and Waco. Yeah, they did. And it was a tough game and they were in it until right there at the very end where Baylor just pulled away. But Baylor ended up winning the national title. So that's, I mean, that was a good Baylor team. And this, this Baylor team is still good as well. But tell me what you know about Oklahoma coming to town on Saturday. A team, we met, we talked about them a little bit in the beginning, but a team that was down a few games. They lost a few games in a row, but then they picked up a big win last night on the road at West Virginia. Yeah, they've been very up and down this year. Um, their best player looks to be Tanner Groves, a forward averaging 13.1 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 1.9 assists. He's getting it done a little bit, helping this offense stay afloat. And I feel like him, Ethan Chargoy, and his brother Jacob on the team as well, they appear to be some of their best players. And it looks like we're going to need – Oklahoma's going to need a lot out of those three young men if they want to win on Saturday. I really do feel like this is going to be a, a, a big bounce-back game for Auburn coming off a tough win as the number one team in the country at Missouri, I just feel like they're going to come in here and just take care of business. I really do. At home, rebound game. And we say rebound, but they're coming off a win. So you really can't say rebound, but they're going to rebound in fact of their performance on the offensive side of the basketball because there's no doubt they played, I mean, they played terrible on Tuesday offensively. Nobody can make a shot. And, I mean, they just couldn't buy a bucket. But I really do see this game as a bounce-back game for Auburn in Auburn Arena. And I, I think Auburn will take care of business against Oklahoma. And then if you start looking down the schedule for Auburn, they only have, as of right now, one more ranked opponent on the schedule for the Auburn men's basketball team. And that's at, on the road at Tennessee February 26th. But here's my thing. Don't let it fool you because there's some tough games on that SEC schedule. Oh, yeah, there are 100%. We cannot afford to sit back at this point in the year because, you know, Georgia beat Alabama, who is a good team at home. We go to Stegman next weekend. We got to go to Arkansas a few days after that. Then the next weekend, we got to go to Gainesville. The following weekend, we're going to Knoxville. And then just a few days later, we're going to Starkville. All, all of these teams are games that are not just able to ride off. Like, we've got to play well in these games because these are good teams at home. And Auburn better show up. I mean, there's that's one thing I've been preaching on this show and with On the Line with Noah Gardner that I'm on now. That's one thing I've been preaching, man. SEC road wins are hard to come by. They are. They are hard to win. And there's a reason that Auburn's the only undefeated team in the SEC. But I'm telling you what, and some of the home games are tough as well. But Auburn's just borderline unbeatable when it comes to playing at home with the jungle. But there's some tough road games, man. At Arkansas scares me. At Florida scares me. Tennessee scares me. And Mississippi State scares me. Those are four SEC road games that when Auburn takes the floor, as an Auburn fan myself, I'm going to be worried. Yeah, I am too, and I'm going to be nervous watching those games. But 
I trust Auburn to get it done. They know what they need to do, and I feel like Bruce Pearl isn't going to let that happen. He doesn't want a twenty like January twenty twenty Auburn gets ranked number four and goes in and gets worked in Coleman Coliseum and then Gainesville two days later. Like he does not want this season to get that bad reputation mixed in with it that Auburn doesn't show up when the bright lights aren't on. Like you got to play in every game, and I feel like Bruce Pearl is going to make sure of that and leave no stone unturned this year. You're exactly right. When it comes to Bruce Pearl and his basketball teams, and not just this year, but and not just with Auburn, but his entire history of coaching, his teams are ready to play. They and, are. And on the rare occasions that they're not, they lose. And he understands that. And so with Auburn basketball, they've got some tough games on the schedule, but nothing, none of those games are unwinnable for Auburn. Because I think Auburn, when they're playing good basketball, they're on another level from everybody else in the country right now. That's why they're the favorites to win the national title. They've got some tough games coming up, nothing that they can't handle. And, man, I'll be honest, if Auburn plays good, they may not lose another game. I really hope so. It would be so cool to, you know, go into the tournament 31-1, and like go, in, go to Tampa for the SEC tournament, win out there, and then, fingers crossed, win the whole NCAA tournament without dropping another game. Then I feel like that would make UConn look really good, but I just—it'd be so cool to say, you know, however many games that is in one, and that'd go good on a T-shirt. That just—that'd be—that'd be unheard of for an SEC team to do that. So now transitioning from Auburn basketball to Auburn football, there's been a lot of talk this week about the things that have been going on around the program with Auburn. There's been a lot of defensive coaching changes. Of course, Derek Mason, the one-year defensive coordinator for Auburn, stepped away from the program and then took a new job at Oklahoma State in the same position as defensive coordinator. And then Jeff Schmetting was promoted to defensive coordinator for Auburn. But And then there were some other changes, linebackers coach, defensive line coach, and a couple others. But the word that I had at the end of the season – and that's kind of been reiterated is Schmetting had his hand and his say on a lot of the defensive play calls that were called in the last few games, especially the Iron Bowl and the Houston Bowl game, and I think it was noticeable on the field. Yeah, I, I agree because not many people were able to hold Bryce Young to how many, 24? Mm-hmm. So they they played, and really most of that's overtime. And very late in the game, so that whole game, Auburn looked like world beaters that night on defense in the way that Alabama could not do anything for so long. And, you know, I just – Schmetting's good. Like, I really think that our defense is going to reach new levels this year. I also really like Austin Davis. On the offensive side of the ball yeah. as our new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I do too. I like him. I like him coming from the NFL, being a quarterback's guy. I feel like Auburn has struggled to – develop quarterbacks over the years and I feel like that was Bo Nix's biggest problem I just saw very few improvements of him in his four years at Auburn and that's not his fault man he had four different offensive coordinators in his time here I mean that's just that's not good and that's your a quarterback is not going to get better but I like Austin Davis as the offensive coordinator I like Schmetting as a defensive coordinator but there's some concern from Auburn fans with all of this turnover in just one year do you think Brian Harson is doing the right thing, or should there be some concern 
from the fans about what Brian Harson's doing for the Auburn football program. I think he's doing the right thing. I, I like him a lot. I've never doubted Harson. You know, I'm I'm gonna stay with that for now. I mean, staff change it it happens. Like Nick Saban loses half his staff every year, it seems like. So that I don't feel like that alone is a sign of him being a bad coach. Granted, a lot of Nick Saban's guys leave for better jobs. They don't get necessarily fired or told find something else to do or even just make lateral moves. But I just I feel like this is kind of necessary because there were times this year when the defense was stout. There were times this year when they blew a 28-3 lead against Mike Lee to Mississippi State. So it was just so hit and miss, and I just feel like change is necessary. And the comparison of Nick Saban's assistants compared to Auburn assistants, I'm glad you you backed that up because his assistants are taking better jobs than taking head coaching jobs, rather as Auburn's assistant coaches so far are getting fired for, for poor performance. So there's been some concern from Auburn fans this week about all the turnover, but I agree. I think Harson's doing the right thing. I think he's trying to do what's best for Auburn, and ultimately – we're not going to know what's best until we see what these coaches can do with the players that they have. But that's going to wrap up around Auburn Athletics here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, live score update from basketball, hockey, and everything else going on around the country. And then we'll finish off with what are the odds. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Alongside me is Daniel Locke for the evening. We are entering the final 15 minutes of the show here on January 27th, 2022. I'm going to give you a live score update from around the country from men's college basketball, give you an update on the Auburn women's basketball score and some NBA and hockey scores as well. So I'll quickly run through this as fast as I can, and then we'll get into what are the odds. So to start off, Auburn women's basketball hosting the number four Tennessee Lady Volunteers over in Auburn Arena with one 36 to go in the second quarter. Your Auburn Tigers are up 34 to 25 on Tennessee with a minute and 36 to go. Auburn with a nine-point lead late in the second quarter. That's a big-time lead for Auburn going into the locker room. Now in NCAA college men's basketball, some AP top 25 scores of the night. Wisconsin number 11 took on Nebraska on the road. They came out with a win, 73 to 65. The only game in action right now in the top 25. Number 16, Ohio State, up 32-30 to on Minnesota at the half. Couple more games tonight in college basketball. Number 6, Purdue, traveling to Iowa. Cal taking on number 7, UCLA, Loyola, Marymont, playing number 2, Gonzaga, and Stanford on the road at number 15, USC. Two NBA games tonight, one currently in progress. The Lakers visiting the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers are currently up 54-50 to at the start of the third quarter. And the nightcap in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves visiting the Golden State Warriors at 9 o'clock Central Time. That is in Golden State. And a couple NHL games. There are 10 going on today in the National Hockey League. The New York Rangers are visiting the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets are up by a score of 4-2 at the end of the second period. Ducks and Canadians. Ducks are up 5-2 at the end of the second period. Kings on top of the Islanders, 2 to nothing at the end of the second. And the Carolina Hurricanes currently tied with the Ottawa Senators at 1 at the end of 2. 
Kraken and Penguins tied at zero at the end of the second period. New Jersey Devils currently trailing the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-1 at the end of the second period. Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Panthers up 2-1 at the end of the second period. Flames and Blues. The Blues are currently up 2-1 at the end of the first period. The Vancouver Canucks visiting the Winnipeg Jets. That game knotted up at 1 at the end of the first period. None of those games are actually active right now, all at the end of a period. That's pretty cool. And one more game to go off tonight, the Nashville Predators visiting the Edmonton Oilers at 8 p.m. Central Time. That wraps up the live score update, so we're going to jump into what are the odds. So what are the odds if you're new here? It's a segment I like to do every week. I like to look at the upcoming betting odds for the football games coming up in the weekend. And since we only have two football games this weekend, I'm going to give you some basketball for tonight and Yeah, I think just some basketball for tonight. I have two basketball games tonight I want to give you and the two games this weekend in the NFL. So last week, if you listened to the show, I had five picks for you. I went four and one, folks. I went four and one last week. Add that to my two and one tally the week before. I'm currently six and two through two weeks, Daniel. That's not too bad, huh? No, not at all. So six and two overall this semester, four and one last week. Again, this is just out of fun. This is just because I I like the numbers. I think it's fun, and I like to pick the games. And if you want to ride with me, that is perfectly fine. But don't come at me if you lose because that is not my problem. Six and two overall. We're going to pick the NFL championship games, the conference championship games this weekend. And, again, I have two picks in college basketball for you tonight. So looking at the NFL games this coming up weekend, the conference championship games, we will start with the AFC championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. We discussed this game earlier in the show. Kansas City currently favored to win seven and a half points. And the total is 54 and a half. Daniel, what's your thoughts? You know, I'm rocking with Cincinnati. You're going to rock with Joey B and the Bengals. Moneyline plus 275, man. They're a big underdog, but you like the Bengals outright. Yep. So you've got the Bengals outright. We'll make sure to write that down. I don't think the Bengals are going to win this game. I really don't. I think they're going to compete, but I think their time has come in this postseason. In this postseason, I think their time has come. they got to go to Arrowhead and play Kansas City. And Patrick Mahomes is just too good, man. I think he makes too many plays. I think the injuries on the defense really hurt Cincinnati, and then their offensive line is just not going to be able to hold up for another game. But here's the thing. Kansas City is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. So that means they got to win by eight or more for that bet to win. I like Cincinnati plus seven and a half. I think Cincinnati, they can keep it within a touchdown. So I think Kansas City is going to win, but I like the Bengals to keep it close until late. So give me the Bengals plus seven and a half as my first pick of the night. And then the other game in the NFL, the NFC Championship game, the 49ers and the Rams. 49ers visiting L.A., the line right now is the Rams minus three and a half. So the Rams got to win by four or more for that bet to hit. And the over-under is 45 and a half points. So less points in the other game. Daniel, what you like? Um, give me the Rams covering. So you like the Rams to win by four or more points. Yes. So you like the Rams minus three and a half. I'm going to go opposite of you, my friend. I'm going to take the 49ers plus three and a half. I like this game to be close. And I, I like the chance that the 49ers have to win this game outright. I'm not going to put money line on them, though. I like the 49ers plus three and a half. Jimmy G, maybe he has a good game and keeps it close, but that's going to be my second official pick. 49ers plus three and a half, and I had the Bengals plus seven and a half 
in the other conference championship game. Two games for you tonight in college basketball if you're listening live to the show. If you're listening to the podcast, these picks will be too late, but that is okay. Tonight in college basketball, January 27, 2022, Purdue is visiting Iowa on the road. I like Purdue minus two and a half on the road against Iowa tonight. Purdue, the number six team in the country. They're struggling as of late, but I like them to get it done on the road at Iowa tonight. And then in the nightcap, Cal is visiting UCLA. Cal's 10 and 9, and UCLA is currently, they're currently ranked, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, they're a top 10 team. They're the number seven team in the country at 14 and 2. Cal's currently, or excuse me, UCLA is current. Oh, that line has moved since last time. It was 13 and a half, minus 13 and a half. It is down to minus 12 and a half. Give it to me. I had UCLA minus 13 and a half, but I like UCLA, the Bruins, minus 12 and a half even better. So they're going to win by 13 plus points. They may win this game by 20 coming off the loss the other night. Yeah, that's give me UCLA. You got to ride with me, huh? So UCLA, oh, excuse me, they won that game the other night. Yeah, they beat number three, Arizona. So coming off that win, where they won that game by 14 points, they can beat Cal at home by 13 points. Give me UCLA tonight, minus 12 and a half. So to run through my picks one more time for what are the odds, two games, college basketball games tonight, January 27th, Purdue minus two and a half against Iowa, and UCLA minus 12 and a half over Cal, and then the NFC and AFC Championship games for the NFL. Bengals plus 7.5 against the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers plus 3.5 against the LA Rams. Well, that's going to do it here for Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 FM. I really do appreciate everybody tuning in live or on the podcast. Make sure you look up Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast if you miss the show live. Daniel, thank you so much again for coming with me or coming in here with me tonight. I really do appreciate it, my man. Jacob, thank you so much for having me on yet again. Always a good time. Everyone listening, be sure to listen to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle. Thursdays at 10 a.m., me and Griggs Blankenberg for more sports talk. You can catch Jacob there from time to time. Also, if you don't mind, shoot me a follow on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Well, there you go. You heard it. There's where you can follow and keep up with Daniel and all that he has going on in his life and around Weagle. Again, I'm Jacob Goins. You can follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, G-O-I-N-S, the number two, J-A-C-O-B, for all show updates and other sporting news. Make sure you listen to On the Line with me and Noah Gardner, ESPN 106.7, on the website, on the app, and wherever you get your podcasts. That is my new gig going for my new job right now. So make sure you tune into that every single day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Central Time. Thank you all for listening. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.